This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. Unfortunately, Jethro's not with us today. He has, what was it, Matt? A mare. A mare. I hear this occasionally in the F1 telecast. It's clearly a very British saying, yeah, a mare. I like to visualize an actual mayor running amok through his house or wherever he's at. <laughs> I was literal about it as well, but then Matt just said it means nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes more sense. And then for the listener, what's really interesting is that I am in uh, Swan Valley, Idaho, and Matt and Charlie are in the attic. And right when I signed on to the Zoom link, I noticed Charlie was in the big, beautiful, floral, oversized Lazy Boy. And Matt's in the cool guy, leather Lazy Boy. So how did you guys end up in this seating arrangement? Well, I downloaded an app, basically the lights out and away we go. So the lights all turn on and then they turn off and you have to release your finger. And Charlie beat me by, I think it was one tenth. So it was like zero. I got 0 0.255 and he got 0 0.248. It was a substantial victory. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. But what was great is Charlie came in looking real groggy and then was real excited. So I think we really turned him around for today. Are you two wrestling with a mare, Charlie? Why did you look so uh, wrung out? I didn't think I did, but apparently yeah. I, I just looked real <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then just quickly, first time you told me that, Matt, you said that you were two tenths down, but you're two one hundred. Yeah, I don't. I'm not good at math, so I don't really know numbers. <laughs> it was only about one, one and a half, one hundredths. Yeah, it wasn't well, that far yeah. off. Right, but Matt, if you were two tenths down on Charlie from that activity, I would insist you went to a neurologist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had three hours of sleep last night, so I'm a not the sharpest tool in the shed. Perfect. Yeah. Why didn't you get any sleep? Well, I had to work in Toronto. So Sunday night, I flew in, I landed at midnight, then I worked a 12-hour day and immediately got on a plane from Toronto and flew back. And there was serious delays. And I got back at like 2.30 in the morning, I think. Oh, my goodness. And Charlie, why did you look like warmed over as shit? I think I just slept too well. <laughs> oh, too well. <laughs> too well. <laughs> I did nothing. <laughs> Laid by the pool. By the way, that's a real thing for me. Sometimes I'll actually get a really hard eight that I don't wake up to pee in or whatever. And when I wake up, I'm exhausted yeah. from a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing nothing exciting. Mm. Just working, working out. Been hitting a daytime sauna, which has been nice. Oh, a daytime. You don't get a little sleepy after? 
Yeah, maybe I do. Yeah. But I kind of like it. Okay. It just kind of coasts through the afternoon and the evening. Yeah. Okay, so I'm at this fishing lodge, and it's owned by Jimmy Kimmel. I'm going to name drop there. And luckily for us, we had had he and his wife, Molly, over I, probably three or four months ago. It was like an evening planned double date. And we said, well, if you want to hang out, you have to sauna and cold plunge because we do that every single night. And we're not going to not do that just because we have guests. So, you know, bring your gear. <laughs> and so they had never done that whole cycle and they did it. And now based on that, they put a sauna in like eight feet from the river. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's oh. got a huge window in it. And so we've been saunaing and then the temperature of the... I guess I'm on the Salt River, I think. Got to be cold, He's right? 49. Yeah. 49. Wow. It's brutal. So we've been doing cold plunge sauna cycles. And you don't get that little insulation bubble because it's flowing. Like when you're in the pool, you can sit there and you get a couple degrees of warmth right around your body. But in that river, it's blowing right past. Oh, yeah. I would go so far as to say it feels 15 degrees warmer when you have the bubble going. Because yeah. even if the kids pass you in the pool when you're doing it, it's miserable. Yep. So yeah, it's intense. Like ankles hurt, wrists hurt. <laughs> Very painful. We were at Eric's over the weekend. What was that? Sunday. And he's got his whole sauna cold plunge set up now. And he wanted to do a little competition who could sit in there the longest. Oh, wow. So we were blasting <laughs> oh, no. through that. Who won? Well. Eric did. No. I won. No? You won the cold plunge? Yeah. He made me get out. He wants to create a leaderboard. I don't know if he's told you this plan yet, but... He wants kind of like the spades board. Oh my. He wants one down yeah. in that sauna spot. He wants a whiteboard with everyone's time. So you have something to hit. Yeah, because he's pretty good. This is his thing, is sitting in cold water yeah. for a really long time. So where, where did you guys push each other to? Well, his buddy Chris had done it for 10 minutes. He's like, you got to get in. You got to do 10. I'm like, well, I can do 11 for sure. <laughs> and for sure. And then he kicked me out at 13. Did you go first? 13. No, I went after it. I knew the 10 yeah, minute mark was so you me. knew. See, it's, he went after me on the, the lights It's the same out with there. the reaction. Yeah. yeah. I, need a, I need something to beat. He was beat. like, you go first, Matt. 11's a long time in there. Yeah. I, yeah. I could not do 11. There's no way. It was really cold. My hands and feet, they hurt and they normally don't, but they were hurting. And it was, I think, 46 yeah. is what he had it set at. Oh my God. This does make me immediately think of um, some challenges Charlie and I had in Austin, Texas, I guess. Four or five years ago. Yeah, so we were on the lake, and I think the first thing was a challenge to um, tread water. How long could you tread water? And <laughs> I won that. Handedly. <laughs> and I won it at, I think, an hour and one or two minutes, something like that. Like I got to an hour, and then I kept going. I don't know. It was like an hour and three minutes. Then we did a swim across the, the <laughs> lake competition. Well, by the way, I didn't even think it was a competition. I was just like, well, let's go swim across this lake to the other side. But for Charlie, because he is coming off this, this loss <laughs> in the treading contest, he fucking let it rip. Like, he, he left the dock in a sprint across the lake. It is a pretty good dis. I don't want to exaggerate, but it had to be a quarter mile across or yeah. something. Yeah. It wasn't torture, but by the time you got to the end, it was a good swim. Well, I'll, I'd argue that because I was trying to keep up to you, when I got about halfway through, I was like, I've got to dramatically reduce my pace or I think I'm going to gas out. But then we, we, so we get to the one side and then we start swimming back pretty casually. And it's Lake Austin. So it's really the Colorado River. So you're seeing very far down. 
and we're swimming and we see this boat coming, but clearly, you know, they're a mile out. We can see them. They can see us and closer and closer. Starts You start thinking like, oh, I wonder why this guy isn't going wide. Maybe he's fucking with us. Well, then it occurs to us, oh, definitely doesn't see us and is heading directly at us. Directly. <laughs> directly. We're screaming. We're waving our hands in the air. All the wives and children are on the dock watching this swim competition, and they're now watching. They're screaming on the dock. Matt, when I say that this boat driver saw us like six feet before he mulched us up, I'm telling you, it, it was as close as you would ever do. We had both taken that one breath to like hit the bottom of the river. We're both like, all right. And then they turned off last minute. And then they tried to yell at us. Yeah, yelled at us. They were embarrassed, clearly, because they almost murdered us. But you're right, Charlie. That's the key moment I want to talk about. They got so close that I took the big breath and I was just about to dive down and try to stay down there for 10, 15 seconds. Right as I was going down, the boat turned erratically to the left. It was flying. It was going like 25 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. And it just dialed in right on us. Target lock. Target lock. Yeah. Um, but that's that's not even the funny part of any of these stories. So because I had done this hour-long treading, I started thinking, wow, maybe I've stumbled into the one event I could do competitively. So I looked up the world record for the longest tread session. And it turned out it was like, I want to say it was like 52 hours or something completely impossible. 85. What is it? 85 hours. 85 hours. And then it was it's a guy in India, right, Rob? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay. So I find this out. I'm so blown away. And then I bump into Charlie in the kitchen of the house, (laughs) like a few (laughs) hours later. And I go, what do you think the world record is? And Charlie goes like, oh man, it's gotta be, it's gotta be crazy. Right. It's gotta be, I mean, there's, I bet people can do it like for three days or something. You know, I don't know. Um, 50 hours. And I'm like, that's insane. My guess would have been seven hours, uh, but it was, you know, I'm sorry. Yes, 85 is, I've just corrected. And he somehow guessed like 80. And I thought that's insane he guessed that. And then I said, well, where do you think the guy was from? And he goes, "Mm, you know, it's got to be somewhere where like they do a lot of like, I don't know, meditation or something, you know, where you'd, you'd be really calm in that situation. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know, India? <laughs> he, dro- he dropped India on me. I'm like, you fucking asshole. You definitely looked it up as well. Uh, I, I don't know why I had looked it up right after you did it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just save this little information for some point. Couldn't have been better played. Like you just had the patience to know I will some at some point in the next week bring this up. Oh my lord! What else have you been doing out there? Well, I drove the bus here, right? So yeah. I brought everything: plates, the big bar, the little bar, kettlebell, dumbbells. So I have the whole setup, and I got the sliding tray that goes completely the width of the bus, and then I just hit that button, and it comes all the way out, so my weights are there. And then I got a cooler that I'm using as a bench, but I got a whole setup and everyone finds it very amusing on this vacation because there's about 35, 40 guests. Oh, wow. 
And for them to walk back and forth from their cabins to like the lodge to get coffee or food or whatever, they have to pass the bus. So all of them have seen me out there fucking doing squats in a gravel parking lot stuff. You would love it, Charlie, because I'm getting so much attention for the fact that I'm doing this. Oh, yeah. And then Kristen has become basically like a shaman. So she's gotten all of the women to get into cold plunging. And so she's been coaching them through the breathing. And the, so every time I look out there, Kristen's doing like a cold plunge a workshop class. in the river. <laughs> and then the best part was is one of them, Jason Bateman's wife, Amanda, who's wonderful. Kristen taught her day one. And then we, when Kristen and I went out to sauna last night, we saw that Amanda was running some people through the exercise. <laughs> no way. And I said, oh, this is like when you go to a yoga class and you like it, so you immediately try to become a, a certified instructor. Yep. Yep. So she's kind of started a cult, which is pretty cool. What else? I brought Lincoln's little dirt bike. So she and I have been ripping around. And then I asked Adam Scott, I said to him at lunch yesterday, you ever ridden a motorcycle? And he's like, I haven't. I'm oh, like, wow. you want to learn today? And he's like, oh my God, yes. And there's something really adorable about the fact like, once we all as men hit like 45 to 50, it's like, whatever you didn't do, you're never going to do. I'm yeah. sure in his mind, he was like, yeah, I never ended up riding motorcycles while I was here. But he was so game. So I taught him how to ride Lincoln's bike. We found all these trails where it was incredible. He never went down and he was like just beaming with You're going to look out the window and he's going to be teaching someone else how to, <laughs> how to ride. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I went whitewater rafting with Lincoln, which was incredible. The apple is 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 touching the base of the tree. We're on the, yeah. the whitewater rafting, and the guide, Oliver, says, if anyone wants to bull ride, this would be the section of rapids you can bull ride. So straddle the very nose of the raft. And so as soon as he suggested that bull riding was an option, of course, the other dudes were like, make <laughs> way for Dax. And I was like, I'm going to lay off all this showing up. I'm going to sit this one out. And then sure enough, I look up there and Lincoln's fucking bull riding in front of Amazing. Uh-huh. I was like, it's all so genetic. Like, yep. Repugnant show-offs, the shepherds. You just get anything we can show off. She knew some one of you had to do it. And since you weren't chomping at the bit, saying, well, I guess I got to <laughs> represent for our family. <laughs> You're absolutely right. The shepherd family crest was like getting called into question. <laughs> no fishing at the fishing lodge yet? You know, there's a ton of pressure for me to do it. In fact, Charlie's been pressuring me from <laughs> California, uh, shaming me that I haven't been. I have several friends that have very similar personalities that I have, and each one of them, they decided to just try it, and then the rest of their life has been dedicated to fly fishing. It's so addictive, I think, if you have that type of personality. So I'm like, I don't have space to fall in love with fly fishing. I love it. If I was there, no one would see me. I'd be there fly fishing from sunup to sundown. You would be in heaven, Charlie, because I thought golf was egregious. Like the notion that I have friends who golf on the weekends when they have families and they're gone for six hours, like that just would not fly at my house. This is an eight and a half. They leave at 830 in the morning and they get back and they come off the river at 5 p.m. That's yeah, perfect. And that's like my buddy does it and he's up at 4 a.m. to do it before his work shift starts. It's insane. It's really wild to me that it's so addictive because at least on the surface, it seems boring as hell. Nothing better. But I bet it has the same appeal that motorcycle riding does, right? And this is what Adam discovered really quickly. I was saying, you know, the reason I like motorcycle riding so much is you just really don't have any extra space to let your mind wander. You uh -huh. really have to pay attention to what you're doing because yeah. you know you'll get hurt. And I said to him, I think it might be the only times in my life where I could say I'm actually present. But I've been told, and this is 
true, Charlie, that that too is the appeal of the fly fishing. You're just so hyper-focused on these little areas you're trying to hit and yeah, and there's some sort of instant feedback loop where you, you try um, something, it might work, and you're like, all right, well, now I got a strategy. All right, I'm going right over there. Yeah, you're really focused on getting in there, especially fly fishing. It's so active. You're not just dropping a line in and sitting there. Yeah. So it's a game, and you're you're focused on it. Or it's like it. a, you pull it. It's like a one little, three little pulls, and then a big pull. Three little pulls, and then Trying a big Trying all pull. these dumb things that I don't, maybe <laughs> right. they matter, but you are convinced like, oh, yeah, that's how I got the last one. This is it. It's three little taps and a pull or whatever it is. But it's easy to just only focus on that one thing. I just don't like to eat fish or touch fish. I couldn't agree with you more, Matt. I'm excited to catch the fish, but like I will go with this friend Chambers and I'm like, like I, you're going to have to touch the fish and take it off the hook. And I know this is the <laughs> least manly thing on earth, but it's, I can't do it. Man, I applaud your vulnerability, and that is the biggest thing I left out of why I didn't do it, and I, and I feel unethical. Yes, I cannot stand touching a fish. It's so fucking gross. And they have sharp things also, on them? Also, it's painful. Yeah, Fins? Yes. It's, oh. it's either slippery and gross or painful and sharp and jagged and daggery. And they look oh. prehistoric. They all look prehistoric. None of them look good. There's not a single fish that is attractive that you're trying to catch. Couldn't agree more. Like, there's not, I'm surprised humans ever even sampled a fish. Yeah. It's not an appealing looking That's true. thing. The whole dressing it and, and cleaning it, I, I could never do. Same with the hunting. I'm like, A, I couldn't. Let's just say I wanted to end the life of a, a deer. Even if I could do that part, hanging it up on a tree and slicing it open oh. and then becoming a pathologist on the spot. No way. Yeah, I watch Naked and Afraid all the time and like even like skinning a snake or whenever they do that stuff, I'm just like, how? Yeah. Snakes are easy though. Come on, Wh when have you skinned a snake? We were camping. I must have told uh -oh. this somewhere. Maybe on Race to Two. Just whatever, d date this story like whatever the statute of limitations is. Just say this was like eight years ago, whatever the. Yeah, this was a, a long time ago, but uh, we were camping and it was nighttime around the fire and Ace was a baby. He was in the tent. I kept seeing something moving, but I could never catch it. Next thing you know, I see peeking out of this bush was a, a snake. Um. And it kind of scurried over to the next bush. And it was a rattlesnake. <gasps> Pretty big. Five feet, maybe. And they're thick. Ooh. Big old Ooh. snake. But it was nighttime, so it was kind of slow moving. So I get up, and of course, we were camping, so I had my machete holstered on my belt. and <laughs> Holstered. I pop it out and I get out a flashlight and I go over to the bush and I'm shining it in so I can see its eyes and it kind of starts to come out and whack, just head clean mm. off, done. Ooh. So I grab the snake and then I'm kind of feeling bad. Like, I don't think I really had an option. It was right there in our camp, but also yeah. it, it didn't know. So I'm like, well, I guess I'll try to eat it. You know, people eat these things. Right, that's so how what? you're going to respect it and make yeah. this uh, an ethical endeavor. Yeah. Yeah. Did you eat its heart? Because you're supposed to do that, I think. I did Take not eat the, the heart. heart, and I was kind of concerned about the, the venom. So I cut down yeah, about an inch or two from the head, and then I cut the tail off. And then I've skinned fish, so there's no service up there, so I couldn't look anything up. But I'm like, ah, let's see if it's like a fish. So right down the middle of the stomach, and everything mm. comes out in a sack, one clean sack. And then the skin just peels off like if you cut a sausage down one mm -hmm. end and just peel that casing off. It's the same thing. Just threw it in a pan. It wiggled around a little while I was cooking and then ate No it. way. What did it do? Oh, yeah. like, on the move in the pan? Ooh. No, well, no skin. Good. No skin, no organs, no head, no tail, and it was flopping around like crazy. What the fuck was controlling that? <laughs> I don't know, but it was a trip. Whoa. And then you, how, was, how did it taste? Did Erica try some? 
Yeah. That's as crazy as if you were in the in the meat counter at the grocery store and you saw one of the T-bones bouncing around. I mean, that's how removed it was. <laughs> it tasted like inconvenient chicken. It tasted like chicken, but there were bones like fish. Mm, yeah. So like Ugh. too many bones, but it didn't taste like anything. Inconvenient chicken. Okay, let's transition into some Formula <laughs> One. It's a sprint weekend. Yeah. <gasps> It is. It's a yeah. weekend. We have four races in the next five weeks, so this is the first. So we've got a great stretch coming up. Oh, baby, that is thrilling. It's a sprint. You were at Austria last year, right? I was, and you know what's funny is I watched the recap before I signed on with you guys, and I have not seen that race. Yeah. <laughs> I, honest to God, I thought Verstappen won that race because there was so much orange smoke because it's the Red Bull home race, right? Yep. So there was so much fucking smoke. I sincerely thought Max had won that race, but no, Charles won that race. Max took quality and the sprint, but then Charles got him in the race. He got him right off the line. I Turn one, Charles was in the lead. And Max was behind signs as well most of the race. And, of course, this was we told this story when Kristen guessed it on the show. Uh, this was the weekend where Lincoln told signs he drove oh, like a yeah. motherfucker, yes. which, which yep, he, didn't, yep, he did yep. not understand. He thought, I think, that meant he was a bad teammate. <laughs> and then, yeah, his car burnt to the ground <laughs> on turn 13 or whatever it was the very next day. And I have to think that little girl jinxed him in his mind. But uh, the Ferraris were fast last year. Just watching the recap, I thought, oh, could it possibly be? I'd love to see them fast it'd mm -hmm. be so much more fun mercedes wasn't supposed to do so great in canada the track mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily suited for them and they did pretty well i mean george crashed out but lewis did pretty well so i'm hoping maybe we at least get a good battle with the astons and the mercedes and maybe they can push red bull in the sprint at least or in some of the qualifying sessions but well as we know red bull hates sprints it doesn't behoove them at all too many variables now and this new structure this year i still don't like i think they overthought it I couldn't agree more. It was nice last year when they you raced for something. It was a spot on the grid. That was exciting. They wanted it. Now it's like Max doesn't need two points right. during the sprint. Like, what's he going to get out of that? Yeah, not to destroy his car in the process mm -mm. and take himself out. I agree. I, I mean, there's no point to it other than it is always a great race. It's actually always better than the real race. But yeah, it would be great if it had some impact on the, the broader, bigger picture. And they have two qualifying sessions now. They have the sprint qualifying, the race qualifying, the sprint, and then it's just too much. And that's just now they added like a, a half race in there somehow. It seems... Odd, but I'm, I'm actually it. shocked they haven't protested yet. I, I, I could see them just going, we're not going to participate in this. We'll see you at main quality. There is a chance Max does that on the track and has a 45-second pit stop in there and gets out of the car maybe. he He's the one that might do it. He seems to hate it the most. Well, he said he's bored of winning championships, so, you know... <laughs> he did. He said, now that I've won two titles, it's nice to win another one and another one, but basically it's the same thing. It's not something that will keep me in F1 forever. Oh, 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 wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what that means, but he's basically like, yeah, I've done this. Now what's next? It's almost like someone that's like laying some groundwork for some stiff negotiation. Oh, like the yeah. way like Howard Stern would claim always right as his contract was coming up that he was really considering retiring, that he thinks he's had enough. And then you'd hear this record contract. It, it feels like that. It does. It, and it's just so counter. What, what the fuck's he even talking about? It, so he can do his hobby of also racing? <laughs> that he also yeah. is probably just as good at? That's crazy. Was that the big news you were saying, Matt? Yeah, hit the us big, with those it was numbers. Everywhere. Yeah. It was everywhere. And this is Ryan Reynolds 
Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, and like every 20 posts you see about it, the lesser known is Michael B. Jordan is also part of that. I know, I know. I was actually thinking, well, A, every single post I saw was just Ryan Reynolds bought a 24% yeah. stake in Alpine. And then some of them with Rob. Yeah, and then with some with Rob, who I'm very good friends with, and I thought, I think I'd be a little bummed if I just bought 24% yeah. of Alpine. I didn't make the announcement. <laughs> And then Michael B. Jordan is what well, Michael B. Jordan's an enormous star. He's he's Rocky for Christ's sake. Also the same thing, like how much money did they put in? Who's the other like stranger like Jack Robinson, some guy who probably invested more money in that investment group, and his name has never been mentioned once. And I'm like, yo, I just put in 75 million to this and no one's even mentioning my name. It's just like when a celebrity dies on a plane with a bunch of other great people, and the only person that apparently died on the plane was the celebrity yes, and no yes. one else is remembered. Uh, that makes me um, remember a, a story I told at dinner last night uh, that folks love, which was me and Colin Hanks were one time guest judges on a cooking show. And the setup was this huge soundstage. And on the floor of the soundstage, there was like 12 different cooktops set up. And then they wanted us to be able to see that whole scenario. So we were on a scissor lift so high up and the scissor lift was swaying and making these terrible noises the whole time we were up there. And at one point I said to him, you know, when this thing collapses and we die, the headline's going to say, Kristen Bell's husband and Tom Hanks's son killed in scissor lift accident. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm with, I I agree, Matt. I'm such a nosy, greedy little pig because I'm thinking, how do they figure out the value? Clearly, when Ryan does something, it does make enormous news. There's some marketing value that's probably quantifiable, you know, whether, you know, he puts in nothing really. But yeah, this company MEI, I guess, is the, mm -hmm. the, the group that bought yeah, $219 million. Because yeah. they said last year there were three offers that are roughly over $200 million to buy shares in different teams last year that would have made yeah. those teams valued at over a billion dollars, and everyone said no to those offers. I thought it seemed wow. pretty low. Like, this put the valuation of just the racing, Alpine racing at, like, right around a billion. Yeah, 900 million, I read. Yeah, I think it was, like, 900 million pounds, maybe, or something like that. Oh, okay, right, okay. But that seemed low to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, because now they're saying to buy in a new team, it's a minimum of a billion dollars buy-in. Well, it's confusing, and we would need Jethro here to really help yeah. us through this, but it is confusing how some of these teams are manufacturer teams, right? Like the, yeah. the, the, the manufacturer owns the team. And then you've got like, oh, you guys were just with uh, Alfa Romeo, and they're, you know, Sauber is the team. Yeah. And so what's confusing to me is like, of course, the Denver Broncos are worth $5 billion. Like you've seen the jerseys, there's merchandising, there's a real brand there, but I, I don't, I don't see Sauber necessarily as a brand Yeah. or whatever the team, because it sounds like in the Alpine situation, right? Yeah. Renault doesn't own that team, do they? I can't imagine they do. No, they, they must own just a small percentage also. Like maybe they've got a 10% stake or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe they're just licensed. Did they just, they hire the team to in the same way that Sauber gets hired? And then it gets confusing. Like, well, what if they let in, you know, an 11th or a 12th team? Uh, what happens to the value of that? I guess, can they never take away their slot? I'd be really curious to know about that. Like, they can't say the Patriots aren't in the NFL. Right. But can they say Sauber's no longer? I don't know. It's, it's so many levels. But on the other hand, if you believe these numbers that 700 million people globally watch a Formula One race, mm -hmm. well, that's 
that's fucking seven X of Super Bowls. So then by that math, yeah, these things should be worth fifteen billion dollars. Yeah. yeah. I was shocked by a billion. I don't know why. I guess it's Alpine too. So you know, we're talking Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari. They're, you know, 10x at least, but but th- this kind of thing has to have immediately recalibrated Total Wolf, our heroes net worth, because every time one of those teams is valued at a billion, yeah. his team, <laughs> fucking AMG, which he owns half of, and then also I believe he owns a bunch of Williams too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he he might end up just like quietly becoming a ten billionaire yeah. over the course of his race career. Yeah. Okay, and then on a vain personal level, I read those things like Ryan Reynolds and McElhenney, they own a team. And I think, yeah, they can't be putting in much of their own money. It's got to be publicity related. And then I'm like, why don't I own 1%? Of it? Well, he's had a couple brilliant branding moves. The cell phone company. The cell phone company. Like, what, that, $1.5 or something? Yeah, he kind of started that way. Like, I don't know that he put a lot of money in. He was just the face mm-hmm. behind this and came up with all these creative campaigns made the money from selling them. Then he got the same thing with that soccer team. Yeah, Wex. And like Wex, Wrexham. Wrexham. And like through publicity and they perform well, got them back in like that English football Premier league. league, yeah. And kind of just leveraged that into this and keeps leveraging yeah. it all forward. How do we get Ted Seegers to be a sponsored team? Like I think maybe that should be your entire goal with your brand is to then be a part owner of an F1 team. I think that's a great idea. I do want to be on record saying that like Reynolds deserves yes, a hundred percent. I have I don't deserve shit. I watch races like I have, but it, he is a fucking genius. Yeah, He's a marketing 100%. genius. He he is a hell of a businessman. So you know, I I tip my hat to him. My big goal is that Ted Seegers becomes like Budweiser, and instead of having like a corporate jet, we have a huge seed plane not like the spruce goose but one that like 20 of us can get on and we only go places where we can land on the water mm. that's part of the the gimmick right so we're going to boat races and sure we could probably land right in front of monaco and check it yeah. out from the plane but but ted will only have a prop plane yeah huge spruce goose seaplane i love it stay tuned for more f1 with drs This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This Father's Day, give Dad the gift that guarantees him a great morning every day. That's Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's Best Pair You'll Ever Wear or its free guarantee. Get 30% off gifts for Dad on select Father's Day styles at TommyJohn.com. Save 30% at TommyJohn.com. See site for details. Um, I was talking to, uh, on Sunday, one of Eric's buddies who runs a company, and he actually was a guest of Mercedes and being pitched because he was going to buy a, a sticker on one of the cars. Wow. So ah. he got the full treatment, FaceTime with Toto and Lewis, and you know they were trying to sell him on their brand. So he was looking at about a six-inch diameter circle sticker mm-hmm. to go on the front wing. What do you think the price of that is per season? <laughs> Six inch diameter circle on the front wing. Okay, look, my instinct is to guess like five X of what I really think, but I'm yeah. not going to cheat like that. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say I think a six inch sticker on the front wing. Yep. You say? Mm-hmm. That's it. There's not one on the helmet or anything else. Th- three million for the season is my guess. I'm going to say seven, and I'm the same as Dax. I'm going a lot lower than I think it is. I was going to say 22. It's 20. Wow. 20 Holy. million for a sticker. <laughs> a sticker on the front. And, you know, that gets some screen time. Yeah. But well, they, they changed the wing. I guess it gets a close-up Yeah. There. Yep. I don't know if that's a tier one or if they classify them, but it doesn't seem like it's the most seen spot. But 20 million. Uh, uh. So you go through those cars and you look at all the stickers around there. Well, if you heard this thing, I would love to us for, to deep dive for a, a next episode and have the answer to this. But it is my understanding that the drivers, they reserve their own helmet. Like whatever money they generate with helmet ads, that that's theirs, I've heard. Oh, interesting. Okay. I'd like to find out if that's the case, because if it is, you know, maybe some of these guys are pocketing another $7 million that we don't know about yeah, for yeah. a helmet sticker. I would think so. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. And they do seem to have a lot of say. Like, they'll have their own designs, and they have their own people doing the artwork on the helmet. So maybe that's just theirs. I think that might be theirs, but we should look into that. Ooh, that'd be fun. Charlie and Matt, I was listening to your interview with Alessandro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I never even think about what the business really is. In the same way that, like, a politician spends 80% of their time in office raising money for the next election, right? Like you, you find that out and you're like, well, Jesus Christ, they're not even fucking governing. They're, they, they, and they have no choice. They just, that's what they got to do. Likewise, when I was listening to Alessandro thing, I was like, oh yeah, the whole thing is that, those advertising meetings is generating as much advertising revenue as possible from that car. And that's probably the main thrust of that business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially him. He was interesting because he didn't come from racing. I mean, he was a fan but he had no background. He was an attorney and he went through as like, he managed drivers and teams, like only the business side. Yeah. And you get the sense that like, of course, performance impacts him 
on some level, but he is there to just enhance the business, make more money. Increase revenue, not increase their position on the grid. Yeah. Yep. Understandably. You guys have some clips. Do we have some clips this week? So this was in talking about different cities and Joe and Botas's travel schedule and kind of where they like to be, some of their favorite spots. So I had everyone staring at me because I went for, I had this like really spicy hot pot. And I was like sweating. Actually, fir first, first time I had hot pot was in Singapore last year during the Grand Prix weekend. Yeah. Was it Friday or Saturday? Yeah. Friday, but I told Friday. him, I said, don't have a spicy hot pot before you're everything on this spicy thing. You know? And then next morning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. No accidents in the car? <laughs> no accidents in the car, but painful. Man. You know, the lower stomach pain uh, you get. Like, explain that. How is that? How you have to focus so much on a drive, and you have that. Yeah. Well, I survived, but yeah, it's not fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to, like, punch yeah. a little bit. Of yeah. Like, oh. yeah. Like, yeah. I was trying to go to the toilet, like, multiple times before yeah. driving, but... Oh. So they okay. clearly sample the local cuisine and have to pay the price also. <laughs> they're not... They're, Russian roulette, man. Russian roulette. You're stuck in a fucking oh my God. fire suit. And you can't get out quick. No, no, no. And the timing of it, even if you could get out quick, what do you do? Tell everyone to hold right. on a second. And I was talking about when I had hot pot for the first time. The next day, the hot pot, it comes fast. So, like, could you imagine you're going 200 kilometers an hour into a corner, and just as you hit that corner, that's when the poo pain comes in? Like, how do you stay in control? Like, that, you're immediately sweating, clenching. That's got to change the race. Really quick, what is a hot pot? Hot pot is, like, a very spicy pot. I had it in China and they had it in Singapore and it's like a spicy soup and it's kind of like where you can put like meats in it and different things uh, and uh -huh. it just comes to the table and it's in a big metal kind of... It's like a ramen? It's, no, it's bigger. It's like almost built into the table sometimes and Whoa. it's just, you can choose spicy or not and when I did it, I had people, it was in Shanghai, and people were coming over and taking pictures of me because they were like, how is this white kid eating this? And <laughs> yeah. sweat was dripping down my face. Like, this is so good, but the spiciest thing I've ever ate. It's a real fun and unique experience when the staff of a restaurant comes out to watch you eat something. I had that at Prince's Spicy Hot, hot Chicken in Nashville, <laughs> where I'd been told they will not sell white people the extra hot. Wow. And I got extra hot, and they said, no, you will give you the hot. And I said, no, no, I want the extra hot. And they said, well, we'll set you up with the hot. And I said, wait, wait, are you really not going to sell it because I'm white? And they started laughing so hard. They gave me the extra hot, and then they all came out and watched me eat it. That's when you know you've screwed up when they come to watch mm -hmm. you. You're like, oh, <laughs> I've blown it. <laughs> but I do think you guys have accidentally stumbled into our lane, and I thank you for it. Between the DeVries taking a shit thing, and now that's the topic. I think maybe that's what we kind of hone in on mm -hmm. for all of our questions. They should all be digestive-related. Yes, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Rob, let's hit number five. Uh, yeah, what are you guys' favorite cars in your garage? Or what would your favorite car be if you had it? Probably the um, Alfa Romeo uh, Giulia GTAM. It's like this uh, limited edition they, they made, only 500 of those. Oh, cool. Without, like, back seats, and it's, like, proper uh, spec for, for racetracks and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me. Like, I keep saying I love the GTM because the way, like, this car is like a kind of a race car, right? Because you can adjust the, the rear wing downforce oh. level. Like, it's adjustable. Uh -huh. like, not, it's not just a rear wing there, like, for the sake of it. It's yeah. like you can actually do tunings on them, so I, I find it quite sick. So Valtteri has one at home. It's definitely my favorite. I do like my Ferrari as well, though. What Fair. color is it? It's blue. Yeah, blue is my color, so. All right, so they both hit us with an Alfa Romeo. Yeah, of course, they had to. Are you familiar with those cars? We did drive one, and it was rad, but 
What are we thinking? Are we thinking that's a, a legit favorite? I don't know the Alpha. I mean, I don't think that's sold in the U.S. That's got to be a European yeah. model. So, yeah, the only Alpha I really know about is the same SUV you drove, and I, and I loved it. But, um, yes, I think they're towing the party line. There's no way. I love that the ethically he had to also admit that he likes his Ferrari. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, do you also like the Ferrari? I think it's cool that he goes with blue. You don't ever see Ferraris in blue. Yeah, very cool. I thought that, too. I only see them in mm, yeah. red or yellow, usually. God bless the people that buy the yellow. I'm so confused by that. If you're going bold, why not go with the red? Come on. You got to go red. And then black. Also, Ferraris in black look gangster. I would go black because I wouldn't want it to be more flashy than the car itself. But if I was going to commit to a yellow, like if that was an option, I'm certainly going to go with red for the bold, flashy color. It's a Ferrari red. Yes, in in history. I wonder what Joe, because Joe's loaded, right? Well, we'll find out on Zaddy's of F1 yeah. at some point, his whole thing. But it, if he was schooled and lived in London, he's from China, I'm guessing he probably has some wild shit he's not admitting yeah, to. For mm -hmm. sure. All right, Rob, let's go with number one. Are you guys familiar with Dancing with the Stars? The German version, yes. Yeah, yeah okay, that'll work. If all the drivers and we'll include principals participated, who would win? As driver and team principal as a couple or, or individual? We'll go a couple, sure. <laughs> Lewis and Toto? Okay, I like that. Uh, we, we would like to see them with Toto. <laughs> so it seems to be pretty unanimous that Toto, everyone either wants to see him dance or knows that he is an outstanding dancer. But they took this question to a, a whole new level, which is as a pair, as which a I pair. never even mm. considered. And yes, the tallest guy in the show. I mean, what a, yeah, that's hysterical. I would love to see that. Although yeah. I got to say, I would also very much love to see Lando and Zach Brown have to intimately dance oh, a lot. Would be or incredible. Lawrence and Lance. Oh, a little father-son moment. <laughs> That'd be the most awkward Lawrence. dance on earth. Oh, my God. Now it's time for the father-son dance instead oh. of daddy-daughter. <laughs> I can't we, even imagine. We should invent the father-son dance. Charlie, you got to do it because what people may or may not know is that Ace is going to be a professional dancer. There's no two ways about it. He's already like an elite dancer. It's really interesting. As we do get into an era where obviously uh, gay marriage is totally on the table, gender things are being questioned. It's not insane you would have a father-son dance, I guess. Yeah. I don't have daughters, so I don't, I'm not often exposed to father-daughter dances. But when it pops up that someone's gone or on Instagram or something, I am shocked, especially here in L.A., there isn't another version. Yes. And to be honest, because I just witnessed one, I think my brother had to do it. So I was like that much more connected to what it might feel like. And I will say it, it feels a little weird. The things I see is like it's set up like a date yeah. where yes, you, yes. Like, you get dressed up, the dad takes the daughter out to dinner. They do this whole date ritual thing, and that's the part that does feel it's a, a little, little perverse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's some, and just like it's it's so old-fashioned in that like it, it harkens to a time where the dad actually gave yeah. the daughter to a, a high bidder, like that she was a commodity, and then he's going to take one last spin with her before. I mean, it's pretty gross, really. Yeah. Yep. But then again, I dance with Lincoln any day of the week mm -hmm. but uh it is weird it's weird yeah. so if we're gonna keep it i think we should do definitely father-son romantic dance yeah. at the wedding <laughs> i mean at this rate erica and ace's dance at, at his wedding will be pretty top-notch yeah it'll be very i don't reverse. know that i'll contribute to the entertainment but 
theirs will be pretty tough. They actually. they can both move. Yeah, they should definitely minimally whether we're going to do a father son dance, they should do mother son dance Absolutely. so that we can get a real show. All the combinations are quite funny, really. If you picture Max and fucking Horner oh, dancing together, oh, what could be more awkward? <laughs> I mean, really, if you throw Toto with any of the drivers, having seen a fair amount of them now, mm -hmm. they come up to his belly button at best. I mean, obviously, we would love to see Yuki and Toto dance. Wow. That'd be wonderful. We might get some some acrobatics out of that one. You might be able to toss him around a little bit. Here's a nice moment for me to just throw in one of the things I read is that I guess Markle was on a podcast and he acknowledged that he and Christian generally are in lockstep when they're deciding what drivers to bring into either AlphaTauri or Red Bull in that Marco admitted that Christian did not want to freeze. And he mm. says it, it appears that he was right, <laughs> which is brutal. Uh -huh. Yeah, we're coming up to the point where he might get the boot. Like, it was supposed to be now. And I was reading something in regards to Danny next year, and I guess Alfa Romeo will have access to the parts from this year's Red Bull. Alfa Tari? Oh. Alfa Tari, Okay. Yeah. So. Oh, really? They were saying that it's not as terrible an option for Danny as it seems now, because next year, presumably, they'll have a much, you know, oh. they have, like, the worst car now. But next year, they'll have the benefit of these parts and might work Be out. Be competitive. Well, you know, it's funny because we were just talking about all the marketing and that the actual business is marketing. And I wonder if people probably didn't even consider the fact that if you start this team as your junior training team, Alpha Tari, which it originally was, uh, Scuderu or whatever the fuck it was called in Italian. If you're an advertiser, it's just, who wants to be on the, the B squad, mm -hmm, right? So yeah. now they're pivoting and now it's a sister team. They start, Now they're saying sister instead of junior. And yeah, if they get, I mean, they'd be insane not to put Ricardo in oh, the car. Him and Yuki, it's a marketing goldmine. Two most likable fucking guys in Formula One. They would have to have their own TV show the whole season. Just the two of them. I couldn't agree more. Drive to Survive presents Ricardo and Yuki. Well, while we're there, Yuki uh, recently beat Max Verstappen in a race they just had this week. What? Yes, that you're going to like this, Dax. These two boys were in the bottom of a mine, and they each had, there was a AlphaTauri and a Red Bull monster truck, and they did a full qualifying lap with a race. What? And what? Yuki beat him. Yuki it was in a monster truck. unbelievable to watch. We'll post them on our, after this episode, we'll post them on our stories. It was so much fun. And Yuki won was it by a lot or was like, it well, close? yeah, I think, well, in qualifying, Yuki had some issues with like the car cutting out. And then Max during the race had some issues with the truck cutting out. Okay. So Max DNF. So Yuki definitely won that and got his trophy and he's very happy about it. Second trophy. And then Yuki's also going to be doing the, uh, the Nuremberg. The Nuremberg ring. Yeah. yeah. With Vettel and Ricardo in September. That's going to be awesome. But he's in a car. Like a Honda supercar or something like that. I, I saw a picture in the post with Yuki, and that was the first time I'd ever seen that car or knew it existed. Yeah. Which is not to bag on uh, Honda. They had the NSX. Yeah. Fucking beautiful that was car. so cool. What a car. I love that car. They're worth a ton now. Yeah. I'm sure Joe has one and just didn't say it. Oh, for sure. He has one. Yeah. <laughs> Yuki's got to have one. He's a Honda driver. Yeah, 100%. We also have um, Bridgestone is rumored to put in their bid to come back as a tire manufacturer. So we could have a tire war ahead of us in the in the coming years. 
Which Jethro says is the most exciting thing yeah, to watch. Exactly. So, I don't understand how that works. What happens in a tire war? I don't. Well, people get a, a, a choice of tires. Yeah, people are just using the wrong tires. Like a certain company thinks that it's a certain tire that needs to be in there. The other company thinks it's this tire that needs to be in there. And then one company chose it wrong. The other chose it right. And it just sends like it just creates a whole mess on the grid, which is kind of what we need. Like we need. Yeah, I could. Red I could Bull imagine worse one. Each manufacturer is really trying to push the envelope week to week. So they put one out there that maybe not be ready, but give it a go. And, and then the we get all sorts destroys of- it. There is a new third place lap leader in F1. It was Max, Lewis, then George. Mm-hmm. And now the third place has now been taken by the bird that was stuck on Max's car. So the bird <laughs> has led more laps than Lewis and George at 59 laps. <laughs> The dead bird. So that's pretty exciting. So stupid. That's like saying that Gary the Groundhog won the race because he crossed the finish line en route to get some snacks. Vegas has gone way over their budget with the paving. Apparently, they were supposed to like do 35 million, they were thinking, to pave the track. And now it's estimated it's going to be $75 million to repave it. And they're only 1.5 kilometers done. Out of what, three? Yeah. En route to Idaho, I drove through Vegas. And um, even from the highway, the place is already wrecked. I mean, I know they'll pull it off, but it is it is wild to drive through there and just think like how how stressed is the fucking project manager? Oh my god, she she or he has got to be on the verge of killing themselves. I mean, what could be more stressful? Yeah. This is the most hyped thing to happen in America in a decade. It's bigger than an Olympics. Yeah, it's crazy. You hear definitely more about that than you hear about LA's Olympics that are coming up. You know? Yeah. Yep. We also have some exciting news. Two thousand twenty six. Um, the FIA president did say. They are going to be making the cars louder. So, because we were worried that like they're going to keep getting lower. And he's like, this is one of the most exciting things about the sport. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they're going to have a louder engine in 2026. Okay, great. I think we watched that the Formula E or the electric ones without sound, it's unwatchable. And I also heard like on a straight in a Formula E car, if they wanted to, they could pass the entire grid on one straight with the power they have in their car. But then their battery is going to be low. And at the end of the race, their car just might shut down. So it's like this whole battle of like you never want to lead the race. You always want to be kind of in that sweet spot behind someone and then pass at the right time. So it's like a different form of strategy that I guess could be exciting once you're into it. But like watching the first race, you'd be like, well, just step on it. Aside from the visceral noise that is so wonderful, it's so devastating to watch someone race perfectly and they have bad battery life. Like that's the thing about these, the batteries are not universal. You cannot make those spec. They're not going to perform in an expected way. Like they're, it's just not there. Yeah. Even when we go ride the fucking electric go-karts, you know, it's like, and that's, that's identical equipment. Everything's identical. And there's this huge Delta between all of them. And think how devastating it is when you you know you have that shitty one. But what if that was oh. your professional car? <laughs> yeah, when we went on Father's Day, um, one shit out on me mid-race. And then Ryan, too. <laughs> like, mine shit out in, in practice. His his shit out in quality. <laughs> the race they oh had to replace. I was God. like, ay, ay, ay. Yep. 
Yeah, so frustrating. I, I don't know. I think we're going to have to go, you know, F1's going to use X amount mm-hmm. of fuel and we're going to be okay with that. We're going to be realistic. Yeah, just take the tire warmers out. We'll all be good. We talked a lot with Alessandro and Bayad about their efforts to go carbon neutral. Yeah. And they seem to be doing, I mean, that was a big thing with the tire blankets. They're cutting so many other things that maybe they can keep some of it. They're putting in so much effort to yeah. become carbon neutral. Maybe we can keep some elements of the current yeah. car, you know? Talking about electric, I just wanted one more thing. I've been listening to this audiobook, and Dax, I suggest you listen to it on your drive if you can. It's called The Mechanic. It's the kind of perspective of an F1 mechanic that worked for McLaren for years. Mm-hmm. And just like in the prime of probably rage mode in like the 90s and early 2000s. And it is so fascinating of these mechanics just raging all night and then getting the track within a minute. I'm halfway through and it's just wildly fascinating. I was randomly on this trip just thinking about the motors in the F1 cars, and I hadn't thought to think of them relative to motorcycles, but I was thinking, you know, at 1.6 liters, really that motor is, if you can picture a Yamaha R1, a thousand cc motorcycle, if you just split that motor in half and put an extra two cylinders on there, that's the entire size of the motor in the Formula One car. Somehow the motorcycle, even the great ones are making 180 horsepower. So 50% more would be 90, would be 270. And the fact that they're making a thousand horse, four X of what like a screaming R1 makes is really crazy. It's just wild to me how tiny that little fucking motor is that makes all that power. It's wild. Should we do some P10 predictions? Yeah. I think- Unless Jethro we, announced he his. He's got it. But let's let's hear a backup plan. My backup plan was like, since he's not here and he hasn't won, obviously he should get Yuki. <sighs> now, if we, if we give him Yuki, obviously his pick is going to win. Yes, and then he's going to be <laughs> devastated. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't going to pick his pick, so I don't even care. Yeah, yeah. No, if he picked, great. But I was in the event he hadn't, I thought the most ethical thing would be to just give him Yuki. Fair. But okay, but he picked. So so we'll go Jethro first. He picked Piastri, which I like that pick. Yeah, it's a pretty good pick. It's a little ambitious. It's a little ambitious. They're bringing some upgrades, I think, to Austria. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's kind of ambitious. Dax, you, go for it. You could go first because we kind of know... I think you're the only one that can pick them, and I think you're going to pick them. I mean, yeah, I guess I'm going to go Yuki. I'm I'm stuck. You're you're ruining his career. (laughs) He won't get enough. My hands are tied because the moment I don't pick him, he's going to win. Yeah. No, you're locked. You just have to pick him until he wins. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, boy. I'll go Elbon. Well, that's a great pick, Albon. Yeah, I, I, I stole it from Jethro. I think Jethro, he's going to do Jethro's too well. Pick. He might do too well. They was doing really well last week, but I would pick Botas again, And but I really, I have had a, a stream of lucky haircuts. Most people are like joke, and they're like, is this a lucky haircut? And they have a big thing coming up, and they do really well. So I'm convinced Botas is going to get way above 10th. I just wanted to confirm that, you cut my hair prior to me getting the Spotify deal. Yeah. So I, I'm in that group. Yeah. I thank you for that. Yeah. So we might have a top three finish from Botas this week. And <laughs> he also went viral this week. He had a little, he posted a naked photo with my mullet showing in the back. And 
It was fantastic. <laughs> I think at least half the grid posted a top shirtless or naked photo of themselves this week. I don't know what's going on. Summertime, baby. Well, summer's here. Yeah, baby. Uh, the solstice happened. Yeah, uh, solstice. It's funny that you're, of course, your eye went straight to his mullet. Mm. I completely forgot that even happened because I went straight to his butt cheeks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, look, his butt looks great. But I know there's more flattering angles for his butt. So mm. what I really thought was like, Botas is awesome. He's just so confident. He's yeah. not vain he's like this is my fucking ass at this angle i don't need to like charlie and i would have taken 600 pictures of our butt made sure the light was right so it made me just like kind of envy his confidence and lack of vanity he does have a confidence about him and you can tell and he's quiet but he's wonderful he's just found his lane it feels like yeah he just found it he is what he is he's good with it i think he spends 40 percent of his normal waking hours nude that's my guess on him I think he's always nude because he's in that sauna with his manager and shit mm-hmm. nude. And what I was really hoping is that I'm going to go with last year's 10th place and pick Mazapan, but whatever. I had a joke <laughs> set up. I was going to say Alcon, but now that Jethro has picked Piastri, I'm going to pick Lando. Yeah. Because there's no fucking way Piastri's going to be. Ha- Lando had a really great race last year. I think he finished fifth or sixth, there was a good four laps where five of them were going into the turn at the same time, every single time. And Lando was passing on the outside. So I think he likes that track. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty fearless there. And it's a ballsy fucking track. Like there's a lot of outside passing going on, a lot of high speed, crazy shit, blind stuff. They got that downhill right-hander that mm. Max and, and Lewis almost killed each other on a few years back. So I'm going to go Lando 10. Awesome. I like it. It's going to be weird to root for Lando, but we'll we'll do it. We'll do it. We just won't tell Daniel. I think you both went too high. That's my prediction. Yeah. Lando and Albon are going to be a little too high. Oh, you think Lando's going to be in that, like, what, eighth or something? Yeah, I think you guys are both going to be in the six to eight range. I just, I still think that car's going to be a pile of shit. So I think he's Mm going to drive it to perfection, which at its best might hit. I still, I don't think the car, because other teams... They brought their shit, and the other teams are still bringing, I don't know. We also forgot, last time we bet on sprint race, so I think we need to do that again as well. So why don't we give Jethro Yuki? Oh, okay. Um, I will now go Alcon for the sprint. Okay. I'm going to pick Piastri for the sprint. I'm going to go Botas for the sprint, Mm -hmm. and we'll give Jethro Yuki for the sprint. Yeah. Okay, perfect. (laughs) This was arbitrary. (laughs) Well, boys, we're really about to blast off, as you say, Charlie. We're going to go into just race after race oh, after yeah. race. We got to sprint. I mean, it's about to get. It's no wonder they take that four-week break afterwards because it gets hot, oh, as a, yeah. hot as an iron poker. We got F1 Zaddy quick before oh, we wrap up. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, thank you. Yes. I thought it'd be a surprise. Dax guessed who I'm doing. It's pretty obvious. After the Canadian weekend, I think we got to go to Lawrence Stroll. First thing I found out. Last name is not Stroll. Lance and Lawrence's last name is not Stroll. It's Strulovich. Strulovich. Lawrence's parents are um, Russian Jews. Uh-huh. And I guess his family came over, and the father of Lawrence had a lot of money. Mm. So he brought over Pierre Cardin fashion wear. No, Pierre Cardin. They were, Pierre Cardin is enormous in the 80s. Yeah. And it even designed, I think, some interiors of cars and shit. Oh. Wow. So he They're brought- the Pierre Cardin well, he brought, family? He brought Pierre Cardin and Ralph Lauren to Canada, to sell in Canada. Oh. And then later he brought Ralph Lauren to Europe for the first time. Whoa. So 
That was huge. And then later, Lawrence Stroll partnered with Hong Kong investor Silas Chow, and they brought Tommy Hilfiger and Michael Kors and apparently are attributed to the growth of the brand. And so Lawrence sold his stake in that in 2014. So he is now the 747th richest man in the world. Do we know what his total net worth is? 3.8 billion. 3.8. That's 3.8 3.8. As of June. Yeah. But he now in 2018, he obviously got into Force India. And then since then, he invested $182 million into Austin Martin and got a 16.7 stake in the company. Mm. He also owns the world's most expensive car, the Ferrari 250 GTO, were bought at $50 million, and his car collection is worth $140 million. He did have a $200 million super yacht, but has since sold it. And then basically his new wife is 37 years younger than him. So basically, if Charlie got remarried, your wife would be being born now, <laughs> which is wild. Which is you should go pick, pick one out from the nursery at Cedars. <laughs> yeah. Just go scan them and ta- tag one. Yeah. <laughs> Just figure out which one. Uh-huh. Um, himself, he actually raced cars for 10 years. Um, Lawrence did. Lawrence. And he owns. Oh, he a, did. Yeah. He owns a track near Mount Tremblant, which is about an hour drive away from Montreal. And interesting, Lance didn't want to race carts. He wanted to play tennis. And Lawrence pushed him into karting. Yeah, that seems right. Mm-hmm. Because he was playing too many video games. Remember your original theory? Because he was playing too many video games. Yeah. he. Do, it, it's honestly like when we walk by him in the grid, he doesn't seem super happy just in general. The impression I get is that he has created this persona that he cannot stray from. I couldn't agree more. And he doesn't have, he offers his money. He's not Toto. He's not, he's not some, he doesn't have any insight all he offers is his money, and he's got this persona, that, and he cannot stray from that. So he can't smile. I 100% agree. I think he's got a, a persona. But he's also got this added kind of chip on his shoulder that's a, maybe a bit like Trump's, which is, yeah, you guys think I just bought my way into this, but what you're going to see is I'm a fucking winner. Everything yeah. I touch wins. So he's just got this like, yeah, I yeah. wasn't winning here, but I've been winning everywhere, and yeah. I'm going to win here too. And he's actually right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's he's not the most appealing guy to me, the way he carries himself. I've thought he's way too macho, too much false bravado, but hard to argue with where Aston Martin is this season. Yeah. I'm convinced he will fire his own son at one point. I know a lot of people say he do- doesn't, but it's even starting to go around. A lot of people are making that prediction that like, just like what you just said, he will win at all costs. And I think at some point, if Lance doesn't pick it up, there's a lot of drivers that could help them get like, you know, top two constructors, maybe even surpass with two great drivers. Oh, there's people pushing for Charles to go over there. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's going to happen. And Yuki, they're going to be Honda. So it seems Yuki would be a good choice too. Yeah, I just, I I don't think we'll ever live to see that moment where he fires this. Because Matt, then he'd be right back on those video games. Maybe he'll go back to tennis. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm never too late. 
you become a professional tennis player. It doesn't seem <laughs> like he'd be that affected. I don't, I, it, I don't know. It's just like in every interview, well, I get it. A lot of drivers don't want to do press, but he just really doesn't want to do it. Now, listen, I could see him getting rid of his son to save himself from himself. I do think you're right that Lance might be a happier person not caught up in this whole thing, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'll ever replace him for performance gains. I certainly don't think Lance has a say in it. I don't think he's here because he wanted to be, and I don't think he'll leave because he wants to leave. It'll be all on Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence needs him there for the family line. He's got to be so scared that he's turning this whole thing over to Lance. No disrespect to Lance, but he's just got to be trembling. Yeah. And now that we know the lineage, oh, the Russian bears. Okay, well, that was great. Thank you for that F1 zaddies. Pierre Cardin, man, that's what a revelation. Yeah. I had no idea. Happy you knew uh, it. It's kind of like Cameron's family. It sounds like he, they franchise or they, you know, they figure out how to take yeah. plans other places. That's that's a rack. That's a good racket. That seems to be the racket, yeah. Well, boys, we'll be talking on Sunday. We'll check in with each other. Maybe we can kind of coordinate when we're all going to view so we can mm. live chat or something. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm so looking forward to this. I hope everybody has an incredible weekend. And I hope people are uh, hydrating and getting rest because, again, Blast Off is here. It's going to be action-packed. And we'll be coming to you every Tuesday for the next, I guess, yeah. four or five weeks. So That's right. until then, we love everybody. We encourage you to push, 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 push. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.